to go up now to Sunday school. And um, Pastor is not here, just in case you are those who missed it, uh, the announcement earlier. He's in uh, Vietnam in doing some dinnery work. Uh, and for those who are wondering, uh, I'm one of the pastoral workers here. My name is called Kafun for those who are visiting. Let us pray. Dear God, we want to thank you that you are in our midst. And even as we lift you up, Father, we pray that we recognize you more and more and we allow your spirit to teach us about yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I want to wish all mothers here Happy Mother's Day. Um, Shepherd's Kids, which is our church um, Sunday school, has actually prepared a gift for all ladies. Um, not only biological mothers, uh, they feel that many of us have been spiritual parents to many other younger ones. Yeah? And so, but however, today being Mother's Day, will women will get it, men, you do not get it this time. Uh, at later part of the service, we'll get our priest warden to pray for our mothers as well. Yeah. So, At the same time, I also want to congratulate our women's ministry, Roses, for a very successful Everlasting Flowers Bookshop that was conducted last week. Um, let's look at some of these arrangements. Well, I am totally um, terrible at art, but that was mine. Um, left or right? Okay, the one with the UFO. <laughs> So, um, the first subject that I felt in school was, was art. And, but, we did this. So, Grace, wherever you are, she's doing some work, uh, some UK. Grace, you did a wonderful job. Thank you very much. <laughs> I invited two friends. So, um, one came and did with me. And I've got another friend who invited a whole group of other friends. So one whole table of them, and uh, after the whole event was over, the six of them carried their flowers and walked down for their, for their lunch. And along the way as they walked, uh, people saw the flowers and started asking them, where did they get those flowers from? And so they said, oh, to the, from the church. And so they became our walking advertisements. In today's passage from Acts, we read about uh, the Apostle Paul. He was walking around Athens. No, he didn't see any ladies with flowers. But he did see that Athens had many gods and goddesses. There were many structures, altars and temples of different deities. I went to Greece many, many years ago. We saw all these temples thrown down, broken. But it was majestic during that time. The passion of Christ provoked Paul to become so undisturbed that he wanted to reason about, he wanted to talk about spiritual matters. As his practice was, he went to the synagogue and he, re he reasoned with the Jews over there. And there were some devout Gentiles who also went there to listen. So, well, he talked about Jesus and resurrection. Uh, the discussions got so long that they spilled out to the marketplace. Maybe like us over here lah, in church, oh yeah, a bit too cold here or the, the, the pews are too warm, too hot here. Let's go to the kopi kopi and let's continue talking about this. Perhaps they had, that was what happened. And so it went on into the marketplace. Now, many Athenians and the foreigners came to listen to him. According to Acts, this was their favorite pastime, talk, talk, talk. Exchange new ideas, propose hypotheses, share philosophical thoughts. Perhaps the conversation went, hey, 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 there's a new kid on the block, you know. And they're like, oh, what's he talking about? Uh, a man called Jesus. Ah, talking about a Jew? Oh, yes, and talking about resurrection as well. Do you mean immortality? No, 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 not immortality. I mean resurrection. Huh? 
You mean die and come back to life? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Let's go and listen to him. And so the crowd grew, and among them there were groups of people called Epicurean philosophers and Stoic philosophers. I must pretend to say these names very well. Honestly, I don't know who they are. Okay, I had to Google them. Well, obviously they're from two schools of thoughts, all right? And they offered ways to avoid pain in life. The Epicureans do this by living simply and having strong friendships uh, because they believe that when they die, the atoms that they that made up of them would disorganize and soon they would no longer exist. The Stoics cared about virtuous behavior and they lived according to nature. Wherever nature has put me, there I shall flourish. Uh, they believe that one can be happy no matter what obstacles or tragedies they might face. Well, among our midst, we have got people who are like that. People who are contented with what they have. Others who live minimally. Some may feel that, oh, when health ends, life ends. When money ends, life also ends. Okay. Then there are some who choose virtuous living, to do good, to work charity. And still others who think that this is the only life we have. If we die, we no more. Is that the same for us as Christians? More than that, isn't it? And how do we bring that to our friends? Of course, I am not saying that, hey, we cannot have people who will feel strongly about certain things, right? There are people who are championed for causes. Well, we, want, we need people who would do something for climate change, help the rough sleepers, care for the strays, fight against racism, world peace, world peace. Uh, honestly, I appreciate many of these campaigns and I recognize the need for most of them as well. There is a place for them because the Bible says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. You want his kingdom to come, you want God's kingdom to come, there must be justice, there must be righteousness. And people need, and we need to speak righteousness and justice. For example, over here, we have the, these two men here, John Newton, William Wilberforce. The determination and the hard work abolish slavery, and I'm thankful for that. Because otherwise, after whatever occupation we may have, we could have become slaves to another nation. So there is a place for standing up. Christians, what are we standing up for? For Paul and the other apostles, it was standing up for the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 tells us to always be prepared to give a reason for our faith. I have chosen the New International Version for this slide. I like this version. Be prepared to give a reason for our faith. No, I'm not asking us to start campaigns or go and book a slot in Honglim Garden and champion an evangelistic message. Not even sure that that's allowed. I'm just asking, hey, could we perhaps point people to one direction? According to Willsby, uh, 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 sorry, uh, so Paul was invited to, uh, to Areopagus to share what he was teaching. According to Willsby, uh, the council of the Areopagus was responsible to watch over the religion and the education in the city. And so it was natural for them to investigate this new doctrine Paul was teaching. Bear in mind, Paul was also a foreigner over there, right? So they courteously invited Paul to present his doctrine at what appears to have been an informal meeting. 
Now, Paul was not on trial. Huh? The council members only wanted him to explain what he had been talking about. And so, Paul talked. Because whatever he has been saying was actually strange things to their ears. Paul talked about the God, the Creator God. He says, I see many temples and many altars, and one of them is actually dedicated to the unknown God. To you who may not know who this God is, let me share with you this God that I know. Paul talks about the Creator God who made heaven and earth and everything in it. He is the Lord of all, and He is the Lord of all that He has made. The Greek gods, there was one of the Greek gods called Phanes. He is a creator god. After he has created things, he passed the authority over to the daughter who gave to the son, who later, this authority was, authority was later seized, taken away by Zeus. The creator god lost his power. Zeus himself, you know, is very powerful, and he had imprisoned other gods and titans, Cronus, Apollo, you name some of them. However, the God that Paul was proclaiming is a God so powerful that he cannot be housed in man-made temples. Yes, he cannot be housed even in the temple that he had ordered to be built. God is creator and powerful and will not be hidden, kept in the temple. Well, we sweat and we wonder what the council members would be thinking of and how they would have reacted to Paul's statements about temples because they were so proud of all their temples around there in Athens. To the Greeks, the gods were distant beings. They had little or no concern for the problems and the needs of men. The gods themselves are too busy fighting. But the god of creation, our god, is also a god of history and geography. It is not the power of men. It is a government of God that determines the rise and fall of nations. It wasn't the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, or the oncoming then Ottoman Empire. It was God who determined. And therefore, if God is God, then he is self-sufficient and he needs nothing that man can supply. He is not made of gold or silver or stone. He is not made from imagination. He is not an art. Therefore, if not only so therefore not only do the temples not contain God, the services in the temples could add nothing to God. In fact, it is God who gave us what we need. It is God who gives us life, breath, and all things. Then it is the goodness of God that will lead us to repentance. It is his desire to draw close to us. I often, I often say, it is not I who love God, but God who loves me. His love arrests me. I guess I like this word when I was learning Chinese, and the word is furu, to be, become a POW, to become a prisoner of war unto God. I always feel that God's love arrested me. Is death really the end of life? Will we really integrate? Oh yes, decompose, my body decomposes. Yes, do I in disintegrate into nothingness when I die? Or is all my virtuous living that is very purposeful now going to lead to naught in the end? Man should not have to go on 
on the quest for immortality and eternal youth, like the Greek gods, right? Surely there is more to life than this. Christians, what is ours then? First Peter 3.15 reminds us to give a reason for our faith. Twelve years I have disappeared from Good Shepherd. I was um, with a primary school. I have learned to talk in a primary school way. And this is one of my favorite ways, one of my favorite ways that I use. I forgot to put the caterpillar in my pocket. That's why here I am. Yeah, nothing. Never mind. The caterpillar has climbed onto the wall. Okay. I like to start with, with the green part. Because green tells me that God created everything. God made heaven and earth. God made the things. God made us and God made everything good. But we have chosen sin and we have gone on to the black side. What then is sin? The Bible says that the central crisis of human condition is the problem of sin. Sin is having a God complex. It is our determination, our pride and our unbelief and our desire to run lives and rather than to let God be in charge. Sin is choosing to be self-ruled rather than God-ruled. And sin and sin leave us addicted to ourselves, our desires, our wants. That is sin. Red. The solution of the problem of sin is the death of Christ. God sent his son Jesus to pay for the mess we created. We deserve God's judgment, but Jesus stepped in and took it for us. It is Jesus who overcame our sins so that we can have a fresh start. White. Yellow is where we are going up to. That's what we are aiming for. That's what life is going to be all about. Not just live a good life, die and decompose. More than that, we have something else to look forward to. Yellow, that's heaven. I once had a friend who asked me this question. She was my Sunday school friend. Um, she's not in church now. Many, many years ago, she, many years ago, 10 years ago, she asked me this question. It still haunts me because I gave her a terrible answer. She asked me, Kafun, you, we have been Christians since we were young. Suppose you die. You go to this certain place and you saw this sitch, this guy flowing ropes and what. That's what we always imagine, right? You saw this guy and you tap this guy on the shoulder and he turned around. <gasps> Not Jesus, war. Then how? I said, I said, are you telling me that I have believed in Jesus all my life I have sticked everything on him and I lost big time. In fact, I lost a lifetime. And she said, then how are you so sure that Jesus is the one? I couldn't quite answer her that time. And I said, mm, you needed faith. Faith in what? She says, Faith is quite an empty word. Faith in theologies, 
myth, God, faith in what? Can my, pray, can my faith be proven? Or do I have the way up to heaven to check out and really, really tap on the shoulder of this sage and realize whether Jesus or not? That's a big gamble, isn't it? How can I be so sure? St. Augustine, Augustine has this to say, God does not expect us to submit our faith to him without reason. But the very limits of our reason make faith a necessity. Faith and reason must come together. It is not blind faith that Jesus wants. If, he had want, if God had wanted that, he would have made all of us robots. But he didn't. What then do we talk about? What is the evidence that my friends so needed? What is the evidence that Christians, we need to prove that Jesus is the way? Suppose someone come up to ask you today, now, and say, what is the reason for your faith? What do you say? Then I want you to know that our reason for our faith is resurrection. That Jesus died and did not remain dead. Because if he had remained dead, then he's just one of the men, one of the good men, and that's it. He lie flat, flat, never come back. Is that what I'm believing in? No. Surely we believe in someone more. If our faith was in someone who just died along with us, then our faith is futile and we are to be pitied more than anybody else. How do we know that Jesus really rise from the dead? And why does Jesus have to rise from the dead? Jesus needs to die for us. He needed to, defy, to defeat death for us as well. But only then can we have the hope of living in the eternity that he promised us. How did we know that he died? Look, after he died, put into the, the grave, he could not be found. That's why the soldiers came after the disciples and demanded to have this body and accused them of taking the body because the soldiers themselves couldn't find it. And Jesus didn't just quietly appear to one, appear to two or the twelve in the upper room. Thomas, put your finger. He didn't. More than that, he appeared to 500 and it was not hallucination. That is an evidence. And the most powerful then one, the most powerful for me, the evidence is that his body was never found. And that is something that nobody else has asked us to believe in. You can believe in a good man. You can believe in a lot of teachings. No other religion has come to us and said, believe in someone who rose from the dead. But here we are talking about such a strange thing that the Greeks wouldn't want to take it. The Greeks wanted immortality, but they do not want resurrection. Or at least they could not understand resurrection. That is our power. That is the power of our faith. When someone comes to you and asks you, what makes you so sure? Well, my friend asked me again, if you tap the person on the, on the shoulder and the person turned around, he will be Jesus because I have proof that he has risen. I wish I can have that conversation with my friend again 
at the moment, she's not ready to listen to such things. I talked to her quite a bit. She says, I still believe la, Kafun, all my life, what? but at the moment, I'm busy with other things. But I hope God gives her a longer life for her to come back to Christ. At this juncture, I would like to make a few invitations. First of all, for those of us who do not believe in Jesus yet, I ask that if you would like to accept and believe and confess that you want Jesus in your lives, please stay back later and we can pray for you. Secondly, Dhamma appeal is for believers among us. Let us start to practice, make it a habit to be ready to give a reason for our faith. Don't be like me. I was quite terrible. You will be ready to give it, whether as a student in the class, whether as a worker in the office, a mother at the playground with all the other mothers, a caregiver by the bedside of someone who is ill, or wherever you may be. We have got all sorts. People who ask me in the lift, ah, you working? Ah? Yeah, I'm working. As a what? Ah? Oh, okay, I'm working in a church. Wow, you're very good. Leh. My hairdresser always, wow, you're very good. Leh. They think that we're all counsellors. I said, no, I'm not a counsellor. Wow, very good. Leh. You got money? Ah? I said, yeah, I got money. <laughs> That's always the next question. And number three, would we dare to take this step of faith? Will we dare to come out of our comfort zone? That we would not let the desire, our desire to be happy, to overcome our call to be holy. Do we dare to not let our desire to be happy, to overcome the call to be holy? Let us be ready to give a reason for our hope. There are many ways to do it. One of the ways is actually um, Alpha Course. The Chinese congregation just had their Alpha Course and they are seeing 11 baptisms. Praise God! We are going to start our Alpha Course. July, August, we are going to have an Alpha Course too. Come on board. Even if not your whole self, but yourself, you could come. Come on board. There are many things that can be done. You say, oh, I can't talk. We don't need you to teach all the time. We need you to share. The first time I was with this lady in the, in the Alpha course, she hardly knew me. So she was from a, a, a background like mine. And then we were talking, I was um, from a Chinese religion background. And I told her how I had to burn joysticks and all when I was younger as well. And she was like, oh, you also? I said, well, yeah, I, I had to. <laughs> In fact, I burned joysticks even when I was um, much, much too. I was almost 20. That was my duty. My sole duty at home is to burn joysticks. Okay. God redeems. You knew, you, you have heard how I became a Christian and God didn't despise that silly, I want to be Christian because I want to pray with you. Lah. No. God didn't despise that humbling, that, that decision. God reached out and God still used me. It's not us. Honestly, there were times when I shared the word of God, shared the gospel with people. My, 
my brother-in-law asked me, that was some many quite years, quite a number of years back. He asked me, and I broke into flowery language, wow, some theological truth, and I wanted to engage him so deeply. And I talked for a good five minutes, I think. And then at the end of it, he shrugged his shoulders and said, don't understand. Two years ago, I met, one year ago, I think I met this lady from India. Um, so I walked with her for about two hours or so. And she says, look, I'm religious. She says, she's a Hindu. She says, I'm religious and I'm interested to know. Tell me about your God. What is it about your God that you, that you believe in him? I talk, 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 talk. And then she says, mm, she's not impressed. She's still not here today. Mind you, Paul's sharing was strange things to the ears of his listeners. Some sneered at him. Some were interested non-committal, and only a few believed. The thing is, when we talk about Jesus, people are not here to hear about our lives. They are here to hear God. They are here to hear Jesus. It is not us who are going to convince them. It is the Holy Spirit who is going to convict them. Our job, therefore, is to have a reason for our faith and be that flower ladies that my friends were. Carry your flowers so that people ask you, what do you believe in? And be ready to give the reason for your faith. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your hands upon us, for your salvation, and for sending Jesus to die for us. We pray that we will understand you more and more. And we pray that it is not about knowledge that is to us seemingly so big, but it is really about speaking of who you are. Teach us, Lord, to be so convinced that you died and rose. Your resurrection is real. And you can raise us from the dead. Give us, teach us, Lord, to have a reason for what we believe in. And God, we pray even as you send people along our way, Lord, that we will depend on your Holy Spirit to share. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kaufun. Uh, may we be always ready to give a reason for our faith. Church, let's rise for the Apostles' Creed.